As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. This special presentation is sponsored by SBS On Demand, where Season 5 of The Handmaid's Tale is available to stream exclusively right now. Hello everyone, Michelle Laurie here, and welcome to a special presentation in celebration of the release of the brand new season of The Handmaid's Tale. Season 5 is here and it's exclusively on SBS On Demand and you can stream it for free. In fact, the stunning double episode premiere has already dropped and, as you do, I've invited a couple of friends around to talk about it. Our pal Joanna Fleming from Adore Beauty is here. She's a massive Handmaid's Tale nerd and, from the brilliant Eyes on Gilead podcast, we're joined by Fiona Williams. Fiona regularly interviews cast members from the show. She spoke to none other than Elizabeth Moss, the star of the show recently. And today we'll hear a little bit from her chat with Sam Yeager, who plays Agent Mark Tuello. So, why a special episode about The Handmaid's Tale on our true crime podcast feed? Well, Margaret Atwood, the author of The Handmaid's Tale, famously said that there's no crime against women in the book that hasn't actually been perpetrated against women in real life somewhere in the world. And did you know it was also Atwood who uttered the famous phrase, men are afraid women will laugh at them, women are afraid men will kill them. The original book, The Handmaid's Tale, is a work of dystopian fiction, of course, first published in 1985, when it seemed pessimistic, at best, if not even a little hysterical. It's been banned and even burned many times since, but as the fifth series of the television adaptation gets underway, the idea of a second American Civil War fought over themes of religious fanaticism, totalitarianism and human rights, particularly women's rights, seems less and less fanciful. The fourth and fifth series also wander into interesting true crime territory by looking at the victim-offender overlap as some of our heroines find themselves lashing out violently. Please be warned, though, that this conversation does include lots of laughs, as women's conversations about TV shows often do, and millions of spoilers. So I hope you've seen the first two episodes of Season 5. Don't forget, they're sitting right there exclusively for you to stream on SBS On Demand. And if you have seen both of those episodes, you'll understand why we begin this conversation by discussing the undeniable visual allure of Gilead. Did either of you read the article in The Age today? No. About The Handmaid's Tale? Look, I loved, there were some points about it that I appreciated. They were talking about the the visual 
attractiveness of fascism, which I've always, <laughs> I've always understood. You know, we, we, we've always talked about yeah. that. I think culturally about the the fascist regimes from fascist Spain, fascist Germany, through to modern day China and you know North Korea, and how it's that symbolism and that that imagery of the perfection. Mm is so important to that and that's what Gilead is all about. And the person, I don't know, I can't remember who wrote it now, was talking about how Canada is so boring, <laughs> isn't it, in The Handmaid's Tale? It's like it's, like it's you know, it's, it's grey. I mean, you're free, but, God, mm. it's so bland, isn't it? You don't it? have that tailoring in your outfits. Oh, and... and June's like, board games? Oh, she's so disappointed, isn't she? When she goes back in and Luke's like, hey, yay, look, I've got Scrabble and I've got Twister. And she's like, oh, Christ. She looks like, oh, kill me. <laughs> so this article, you know, referenced that and said, look, this show fetishizes fascism. But also then they go on to say, and look, it's a bit crook that it, they, they sort of talk about it as a plot problem that that June just wasn't hung years ago, basically. She wasn't put on the wall years ago and they think that that's a problem with the show. But I've always thought one of my favourite things about this show is it makes me think about the fact that June represents all the other Junes that we aren't seeing through Gilead. I think, you know, it reminds me of those great resistors through history who many of whom we'll never, ever, ever know about. And I think... There's heaps mm-hmm. of dunes working away in Gilead. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah. And, and the book is like The Handmaid's Tale, but yeah. it's it's all Handmaid's Tales, uh, just very specifically June's story in this one. But And I think that's what the show does really well. It has individual experiences of the same thing. Mm. And increasingly we're getting a sense of that, don't you think, as the seasons go on, that there is a network. There are lots of people resisting in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have either of you ever tried to explain this show to someone who's never seen it, because it's the most difficult show to explain to someone. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like this dystopian America, but then it's not, and then there's kind of like Canada's still there though. It's very hard to explain to someone, and it sounds like a terrible show when you try to explain it, but it's actually (laughs) Yeah, it does a bit. Or it sounds like a joke show. You know, it could sound like they'll go, oh, like America then. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of years, they'll go, oh, yeah, well, so it's like America. You go, no, Mm. no, yes, hilarious. That's something I find too, though, that people, or when I say people, I mean men, let's be honest, um, sort of don't take it seriously enough. Do you Mm. find that? I do, I do. And and it's so hard to describe the way it tells the story too. I mean, there's the plot, but there's where the alliances are and who, you know, you're in June's head. And how do you, how do you explain that in a trying to articulate all of it to someone who isn't fully on board anyway? <laughs> That's why it's so perfect for women because it's yeah. so complicated, I think. And because we can empathise with Janine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Janine. Right? Yeah. We can love Janine. We can love her even when she does, you know, want to be loved by Lydia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, you know, we can even... I was listening to your show, Eyes on Gilead, on the way here, and the latest episode was for me when I was on my way here. And 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 one of your co-hosts said, it's so weird and wrong, but I'm comforted when I hear Aunt Lydia the first time in every season. <laughs> it's and true. I Yeah, and, when, and I thought, yeah, her voice, she's so mean, but there's something about her. She's like a narcissistic boyfriend or something that you kind of do crave her yes. approval. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. You, there's an you element want to be a good girl. Feels, there's an element that feels really genuine and loving, but it's yeah. also not at the same time. You want to be a good girl. Yeah. When she says, <laughs> you do it. It's so wonderful to be in Lydia's warm glow. Mm, yeah. She has that natural warmth that we saw in her flashback, mm-hmm. but also it, I mean, she needs to have that warmth for, to be the enforcer that she is when you're a bad girl. Mm-hmm. So it, oh, and dad is so amazing in that role. And mm. uh, yeah, just you, you want to get her approval and you don't want to, be told it's your fault and get get the bad side. Oh God, no! She's terrifying. I had teachers like that. She reminds me I went to Catholic school. So, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in the eighties, Joanna. That's when I, I went also there. went to a Catholic school, but it was much more above board. <laughs> we had there. a teacher very much like Lydia, actually, and she oh. wasn't a nun, so she was that outsider. She was clearly a lesbian, but again. It, it was that was not the done thing. It was the, yeah. the 80s in regional Australia. And so, yeah, there's I really see a lot of her in Aunt Lydia. Yeah, and Lydia's flashback, you know, yeah. her, her strange approach to sex yes. and just that, that shame spiral she went on immediately oh. when that all went to, to hell. And but, everybody mm. paid for that shame oh, yeah. spiral. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that was so awful. Mm. Um, can we talk about Janine? I found... Janine's arc in that last series, series four, it felt really important, especially as I thought she was dead by the end of it. Mm. I had a lot of those moments. She <laughs> she's oh. nine lives. Is she dead now? I don't even know. I don't know. She's coughing up. A, she's lost a lot of blood for that chocolate <laughs> bonbon, whatever that thing yeah. was she had. Was it a rumble? I don't know. I don't know. Or a Linda ball. I'm not sure. But mm. yes. It was in, such an interesting arc for her, wasn't it? Because we were finally learning so much more about her, about her background. Mm, mm. Uh, the Planned Parenthood, how was that? That was an amazing episode. Again, so timely. Yes. Um, they really tap into so many of our lived experiences as women across the board, you know, whatever relationship you might have had with teachers or parents or sisters, you really do feel you can relate to one of the handmaids, even the Marthas. You know, there's someone in the show who feels very familiar to you, which they do so well. Yeah. They really do. And Serena too. I yeah. Mean, and, and and Mrs. Putnam, for God's sake. You know, that there's mm. just ways that no one's pure evil, no one's no one's a pure heroine. It's it's there's so much light mm. and shade to everyone and yeah. that there is something relatable. Oh, in there'll them all. be so many women with fertility issues who will have their moments for those women. I'm mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah. And and before my twins are IVF twins and before we went to IVF we were looking into lots of things and you know you have lots of thoughts about should I even pursue fertility treatment should I just accept it what what should I do and at one point we went into um inter-country adoption and we went to a weekend seminar and all of that and that scenario reminds me a lot of The Handmaid's Tale of, of just the desperation the sadness the extreme emotion there's so many tears in the toilets of Absolutely. that facility that yeah. weekend. You know, so many women who'd never met comforting each other because um, they would do anything. Mm. And people saying, oh, it'll cost you $60,000 to adopt a baby from this country. And women saying, yes, how, yeah. when, how can, you know? Yeah. And so it's so messed up. You know it's messed up mm-hmm. as you're thinking about it. But yeah. Yeah, you know where it comes from. Mm. It's where they take it. It's that's the, <laughs> the yes. absolute issue. But uh, no, there was that when we thought or assumed that Serena couldn't fall pregnant, and she met Nicole in at the airport in Canada that time. That that episode broke me. Mm. That was I, that was so relatable. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm. yeah, I think they really the way 
that society and women themselves, you know, we view our own bodies and how, how they how they play into who we are as people. So it, it's so, they go so deep with this show and, and it, that's why we latch onto it, I think. Yeah, gets absolutely. Us. And at the moment I'm really um, frustrated by the other women's reactions to June I feel like they're gaslighting her. They're trying to diminish her anger or they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to talk her out of her anger. They're always telling her to calm down, to just stop thinking about it. Just stop talking about it. I don't want to talk. And they're all calm and they're all quiet. And, and, and yeah, I'm finding that so frustrating to watch. You know, as is June. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that therapy circle in um, season four. And I think she said the line, I'm going to mangle the quote, but, you know, don't we have the right to be furious? Haven't yeah. we earned this? Mm-hmm. And, and Emily got it. But uh, Sometimes it happens in her own kitchen. Absolutely. She's in her own kitchen talking to Rita, who knows her own experience so mm-hmm. well. They were mm-hmm. in the same house. And Rita's just like not engaging. I, she just doesn't want to engage. Yeah. Moira's much the same. I mean, she, Oh, very much. Yeah. She's been out a bit longer, but she's got different ways of coping or not coping. Yeah. Um, yeah. But June, June really wants that outlet for her rage and she can't quell that, as we know. Although then she does find her tribe. Mm-hmm. Does, does she ever? <laughs> she finds her tribe in the woods, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they tear that man apart, Commander Waterford, Fred, apart with literally with their hands and teeth. What do you make, though, of the scene where some of the other women say, well, okay, so now let, let's go and get my guy <laughs> or let's go and get my lady, my monster? Yeah, yeah, we've done yours. Now yeah. it's my turn. I thought that was fair enough. It was fair enough. I mean, it speaks to the lack of planning and where, where this could lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, probably could have had that conversation beforehand. But, uh, yeah, it, that, again, that speaks to other experiences and, you know, everyone has their monster. I also at the same time I was thinking, but she's already kind of done enough. You know, you you guys have helped her do something she really needed to do for her healing process, but she got all these people out. She's been, you know, a crusader for everybody. Why does she owe you something else? That was my perspective. I was kind of like, leave her alone. (laughs) That's fair. She got a plain lot of kids out. (laughs) Yeah. That is a really good point. I was like, she's done enough. Let her live now. And it's also the imperfection of the show, which is kind of its perfection, Mm. I think, is that she's not a, a perfect hero she's not a perfect yeah. character it's not predictable it's not meant to make mm-hmm. sense she's not meant to be Joan of Arc mm-hmm. you know I guess so I was I was shocked and surprised and I was angry and I was disappointed I was like yeah June come on like we got to go and get all their monsters haven't we got to like you know you can't just because a minute ago you were eating your bacon like you know <laughs> like this had changed everything <laughs> and now suddenly you're being reasonable again like a a reasonable person and Mm. handing yourself into the cops and stuff yeah but now that you say that yeah you're you're right and 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 she's that changeability is um a realistic traumatic response Mm. for one thing and yeah it makes her a kind of more of a realistic person I guess yeah I I love that first episode back of the fifth season you know she's just done this horrendously violent thing that she needed to do but with those hands that she, like, you know, she walks around with his blood all day and her hands are ripped to shreds, but then she holds her baby. And I think that whole episode is reconciling, how can I be capable of that, but then also go back to my baby mm. and and give her a bath <laughs> and, and be normal, you know, quote, this unquote. This is about making that is. choice too, isn't it? It's like, well, I can't be both. Mm, mm. 
if I want to be a mother, I can't really be going around the countryside tearing these people mm. apart. I'm not supposed to, yeah. Mm. How did you guys feel about the dynamic that's developing between her and her husband again? Because it's felt very disjointed since she came back and I... I, try I don't want to tell you what oh, happened. You've, no, you've missed something. Oh, in this, it's, absolute spoiler I, coming oh, up. For everyone God, listening, it's... I've only watched the first episode back. Yeah. So, well, you, okay. you, but you've picked it beautifully. Right, you yeah. have picked yeah. it beautifully <laughs> because the first is kind of the, the, the very next thing that happens okay. after where you're up to just is that they're on just the most, the sweetest date and mm-hmm. it's, it's the sweetest moment and they've broken through that. Okay, good. Because I was and, starting to get a bit worried. Well, oh, what do you I think be? happens? <laughs> who do you th- who do you think yeah. destroys that? What which bitch face do you okay, think ruins yeah. that? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That season that. is not Gina uh, Luke going on dates. Okay. It's not, uh, <laughs> and she just Serena just it's the oh it, you know what it is it's the intimacy I think between Serena and June, and, and this just shows it so beautifully that she knows exactly how to destroy June. Mm. She knows exactly how to create a moment, God knows, that will get June wherever she is and it will destroy whatever she's doing, whatever she's rebuilt for herself. It will destroy her and it will bring her psychologically right back to Gilead. It's amazing. She's a clever character, Well, she, that's the thing. And, and I know you guys talk about it on Eyes on Gilead. She, she is, she has always been the politician, the strategist, the genius mm-hmm. In the Waterford household, and he's been the uh, the man. It's the man. It's Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> it you know? is. Like she, <laughs> she's the one whispering in the shrubs. Absolutely. And and it's so frustrating that she is also was was also supportive of this ridiculous regime that sublimated herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she says to Fred, "How could you take that away from me? How could you take my career and my?" Bitch, you handed it to him. <laughs> Read the fine print in your own book. You wrote the book. <laughs> oh, gosh, she's frustrated. Absolutely. And, you know, much of her resentment stems from then being shut out of this world that she's created. So, but, yeah, you know, it's only terrible when terrible things happen to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the way June and Serena get each other, you know, mm-hmm. June sent the finger and so mm-hmm. Serena sent her own little message. And they've Very tit for tat kind of behaviour, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. They're yeah. so much more brutal than the, than the men. Yeah. <laughs> so much more brutal. Psychologically, Psychologically brutal. Yeah. Mm. Yes. But but now, I mean, yeah. Jane has crossed over. Into, All about fair point. She's both <laughs> now. Proper brutality, mm. I think. Yeah. Well, Gilead trained her to be that way. It was a salvaging, you know, she'd been trained for. Yeah. Mm. And I'm, I'm kind of appreciative of the fact that she's accepting that. She's, she's even verbalising it, you know, the fact that she enjoyed killing someone, that she's enjoyed... There are moments that she's enjoyed someone else's pain and she's accepting of that. She's mm. not pretending. Mm. I thought, good. Yeah. That's it's fair enough, bub. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You earned that right you to be did. serious. You mm. did. Yeah. Mm. Some people are bad. When we all know she's going to go back, she has to go back. Hannah. Hannah's there. And she's Canada's so Hannah. dull. I mean, I know I've pointed that out before, <laughs> but I mean... Do we think they deliberately position Canada? Like they're deliberately making it boring so that we as an audience feel compelled to make her go back because we want action. Mm. We want things to happen. So seeing it be dull, boring, very day-to-day, it kind of makes us as an audience want her to go back there rather than want her to stay with Luke and Moira. 
I know, it's funny, isn't it? We've spent years thinking, oh, God, please get to Canada. Yes. But now that she's, she's there, been there like finding myself going, no, actually, go back. She's been there two weeks and I'm like, what have they done to your hair? <laughs> oh, what's with the waves? Oh, God. Even when she's covered in blood, the waves are still in that hair. You know, she's, she's got done access with the to straight tools again. Oh. It's the damage. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, her beautiful long hair's gone. I, I was mesmerised by that hair. She's in the in the public toilets scrubbing the blood off, mm. but the hair's still mm. in that wave. <laughs> and, and Elizabeth Moss directed these first two episodes. She sure did. Mm. Yes. Has she directed any episodes before? Yeah, she started with last season and apparently she'd always wanted to, but um, they were worried about putting too much on her because she's already starring, she's already mm. executive producer. And she said, look, I'm working 24-7 on this anyway, give a busy person a job kind of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, so COVID actually presented the opportunity because not as many directors could fly in in the way that they would normally. So she did, I want to say three eps last season, she did episode three of season four, which was the June being tortured oh. episode, which had so much in it that the kiss with um, Nick, the big patch at the end oh. of that episode. So, that yeah, that one. Um, and this season she's done the first two and she's also doing the finale. Oh, mm. so they're giving her the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because episode two of season five is it's huge. so beautiful. It's Fred's funeral procession and it's particular, it's incredible how uh, prescient to watch during this week when we're watching the Queen's funeral yeah. rituals because it's, and also amongst the conversations about colonialism because Serena manages to turn Fred's funeral into the most incredible spectacle. She has every dignitary in Gilead, every sexual slave in Gilead, every kind of slave in Gilead. She's forced them all out to be part of this procession that she is leading. She has the, the dignitaries walking behind. At one point she she forces the, the handmaids to bow to her, to Mm. and to to his coffin it's sickening but it's so you know it, it really makes you reflect on what's what's going on absolutely it's uncanny that this is playing is out in the week of yeah. when they wrote this months ago and they shot it months ago it's really eerie yeah it reminds me of to what is to me the purpose of the show which is it could happen again so easily. Absolutely. Well, it is happening. I mean, so oh, yeah. much of it is happening. Yeah. Isn't that a scary reality that we look at this and we think there are definite definite parallels in the world of this occurring? And for us, we're probably nowhere near it. But to sure. see that play out on a screen, you're kind of like, wow, this is way too realistic. You know, it's scary. Yeah. Yes, the acceptability of it yeah. is the only fantasy level on this show mm-hmm. in terms of the acceptability of it um, by other governments around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really the only level of fantasy. Everything else is actually happening. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. I always use this stat. There's, there are more slaves in the world today than there ever have been before mm-hmm. and certainly a lot of sexual slaves in the world. So, yeah, it's all happening. But um, it's, it's really eerie to watch this procession play out on TV as it this is week. in real life this week. Yeah. 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 They did it a couple of seasons ago as well with the, the Women in Cages yes. episode and that yeah. was right in the week where uh, all the the American border, that that was such a, such a news moment then too. So, yes, there's parallels all the time but just in the week of broadcast it, mm-hmm. uh, it's 
truly uncanny. Yeah, I had a conversation. We had Friday night drinks here in our offices um, uh, last week, I think it was, and I was chatting with some guys and, and they were saying, oh, you know, oh, I went off it. We, my wife and I, we went off The Handmaid's Tale a couple of seasons ago. We just sort of it jumped the shark. Mm. And I thought, mm, really, which shark? Like, it, you know, it's all happening, <laughs> but whatever. I was just trying to be polite. And then one of them said, oh, I suppose it was pretty realistic a couple of years ago, you know, during the whole Trump era. And I was like, um, there was that whole overturning of the abortion Mm. rights in America. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, (laughs) like a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, America's uh, America's still got some issues around uh, women's rights. Yeah, it wasn't just Trump that was the problem. No. So it's fascinating to me how, how still, yeah, there are a lot of people who don't think that these things are happening or are unaware of how much of this is, no matter how many times she says it, no matter how many times it's repeated, that everything that happens in this book is based on things that are really happening to women in the mm-hmm. world. Do you find that? Do you think that it's not, you know, that people are still unaware of that? I think they must be. But mm. it's it's known about the book, but I, I, I think people might make assumptions that the show has taken That's leave what I think that because, you know, the bit. first series of the show was based on the book. Do yes. people... Do you think that, Joanna, do you think people think that, oh, now we're in fantasy land because we've left the book? Yeah, I think there's a definite perception that, oh, now we're just making it up as we go. And I think a mm. lot of that, as you said before, you made mention of, you know, men think think that. And mm. I do think it's very much probably the male audience that are like, oh, this is just too far. But for us as women who probably look into this stuff a lot more and read about this stuff a lot more that affects women around the world, we're kind of like, ah, oh, no, this is a very stark reality. Um, and it's not mm. so far from what is realistic and what could happen. Yeah, the, mm. the show has absolutely stayed true to that. And I think that's that's where it holds up. You know, it's like they research like mm. you would not believe and speak to experts. and and But also if they can't really show what actually happens in the world like no. that, that mm-hmm. it's worse. So it's if you can't handle that, it, it I think you're telling on yourself a little bit as well. Yeah. If you don't believe that that's true, I mean. No, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, you work at SBS, so Mm. you work with people who have been to places where where things happen and come from places where things like that happen. I've been to refugee camps overseas where people have that lived experience, where it's still happening. So, yeah, it is frustrating when uh, (laughs) to sit in a a nice cafe in Melbourne and (laughs) have a lovely chap say, oh, let's jump the shark, (laughs) that show. Yeah, yeah, you hear that torture porn kind of thing. torture porn. Um, yeah, I, don't, I have no truck with that. It, it's you know, and also it's is it because it's a blonde woman, blonde, blue-eyed woman that is just happening? Ask you that. Is mm. it because it's white ladies being tortured? Is that why it seems like know. it's fantasy? It was such an interesting creative decision to have the last episode of the last season, season four, directed by someone who's generally a documentary maker. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, the, Liz Garbus uh, directed the season four finale and she's known for her documentary work and particularly you guys would know um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Oh, my gosh. I just watched it again yeah. last night because I was reminded of it. And isn't it brilliant? It's so great. Um, such a good documentary because mm-hmm. it's such a difficult story it could have been um about a woman who was a true crime fan mm-hmm. who at night time after her child was in bed was online solve, trying to solve this crime this this cold case crime about a rapist and she bloody did she but it. yeah she did crack it but 
just, and also, by the way, married to a very famous, beautiful comedian, Patton Oswalt. And then just before she kind of really cracked the case, she died in her sleep. Yeah. She mixed some medication and she, she died. She's a very young woman. So it was sort of difficult because she would, just on the verge of cracking this case. She was just on the verge of writing a book, but they managed to make a great documentary about all of the above. Absolutely, And this is yes. the woman who made it. Yeah, Liz Garvis. She is a producer and director. Uh, and, yes, we interviewed her for um, an episode of Eyes on Gilly to mm. unpack the finale. And she was speaking to the fact that that really helped her get in the mindset of June for the finale and just because I'll be gone in the dark has survivor testimonies as well as a bit of um, recreation. Uh, so She did such a great job. Um, we've got a little bit of her talking about it here. You know, as we all know, The Handmaid's Tale contains harrowing echoes of realistic events. And while Gilead is um, not a real world and these are fictional characters, the psychology is very, very real and very grounded in true experiences and reactions to trauma. I had made a series for HBO called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which featured many survivors of a serial rapist and killer who terrorized California in the 1970s. And, um, their recollections and um, observations on coping with trauma were so helpful to me and I shared them and I think I think it became a very rich conversation we were able to have. So yes, I think that the documentary work I have done certainly helped guide me in directing Handmaid's Tale. She did such a great job in the documentary of dealing with these um, survivors because their attacks had happened decades earlier. So it, to approach those women and ask them to speak about it is hard mm-hmm. um, and to sit with them and, and take them back to that attack is hard because no doubt they've found their own ways in the intervening decades to cope with it, Yeah, to get past it. So to ask them to go back to it is, is a really massive ask. She did a great job. But, yeah, it's fascinating that she, um, she was able to, to use that in making this episode. She used the fact that in that episode where June goes to see Fred and we all think she's going to blast him in the, yep. <laughs> in the prison or something but doesn't, uh, but he apologises, you know, in inverted commas, but uh, it's something and it's also nothing. But it, she makes the point that for a lot of survivors that's a huge trigger, having yeah. uh, the perpetrator apologise to you and for you to know that they don't understand it at all and they think that that's a make good and you know that's the moment that June goes okay this is what I'm going to do. Snaps. Yeah absolutely. Yeah absolutely. It's like the way he always seems to feel as though the fact that he admires her is a gift. Mm -hmm. He's so. (laughs) She should be grateful for his affection. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, and that he's like that he treats her well. It's it's all that, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. that. It's again very colonial, <laughs> totally, isn't it? It's totally. this attitude that I don't beat you, so yeah. I'm a great guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other other guys down the road, I mean, they they they're bad guys. You've got a pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about Joanna? Wait till you hear. I don't know if if you're onto this theory, but I I was stunned because I I was like biting my fingernails when I thought, oh, I wonder if I can ask Fiona if there's like any sympathy at all for Serena or is that just insane? (laughs) I I can't have sympathy for her. I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. When they they tell her about Fred, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's fair enough that they did that. Like I I thought she'd be relieved. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah. I can understand why some people would feel that sympathy for her. I did feel twinges of it when Nicole was taken. I, I could feel that, but and in that episode again at the airport and all of that stuff, yes, but around this particular time, no, I'm not feeling it. No, because she came good for a while. Yeah. But I knew when she was back in that other house and that lady, that creepy lady had all those children mm. and I saw her snap. I saw Serena turn. I thought, oh, no, <laughs> we've lost her. We've That's lost right. her. And from that point on I thought, no, she's just evil. She's she's no good. <laughs> but these guys on Eyes on Gilead have the most incredible – it's not even your theory. It's, it's, it's come from the set. This is Juliet and Juliet. Yes. Tell, yes, tell yes. Joanna about Fill this space. That's correct. Yes. Uh, I had a, I was lucky to interview um, Elizabeth Moss on the eve of the, the series premiere. And yes, I'd heard that she and Yvonne Strahovski refer to their own characters as Juliet and Juliet. Ah. And that is the real love story that is the through line of this series. And that back in but the episode you alluded to, Michelle, with where they worked together and they were really productive when back when Fred was injured in the bomb blast and whatnot. Um, and they they proved they could be formidable, but then, of course, Serena flipped and mm. that all went to hell. But then in the Washington episodes, um, season three. Mm-hmm. So beautiful too, those episodes. Yes. And those incredible shots at the Lincoln Memorial. Yes. Um, the lighting, it was so beautiful and June would go sweeping through in her red cloak. Uh, yeah, the wind. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but they had the epic argument at the Lincoln Memorial with the echoey chambers and whatnot. It was that she identified that as that was the moment they broke up. That's the end ah. of the love story. And from then it's been on for young and old. And But she did say June still holds out hope that there is redemption for Serena. Because I think that June has a real f- she, when she's fighting with Serena or when she's interacting really, again, intimately yeah. with Serena, yeah. that's when I see June's real feminist heart, yeah. her beating feminist heart where she's looking at Serena like, come on, sister, mm-hmm. come on, come on. Yeah, I've got to break through yeah, somehow. come on. You There's can't, a kernel of something I've yeah, got to she's reach. like, you cannot seriously be going to do this to me for them you Mm. you know I just get she gets this look in her face and in that scene I was fascinated by the way they really juxtaposed their physicality Mm -hmm. as well there were moments where they were up so close and June was so little and she was little and stocky and she was looking right up at Serena and Serena was so tall and ethereal and looking right down her nose at her Mm -hmm. you know they really played off their different statures and, and and it was really visually stunning. So so what do you think about that, that they're, they're a love affair, Joanna? Isn't that fascinating? It's giving me a whole new perspective. It is fascinating. It's very, and it goes to show how much thought goes into the production and direction of this show for them to have that like mm. underlying message that as an audience, if you're just watching this as a regular person, you wouldn't even think about it unless you really delve into the the, the themes that come through in the show. It is fascinating. I think it sinks in. I always think these things sink in, you know, on on some level in your mind. Mm. I used to think that during Game of Thrones. I used to think, oh, what? <laughs> then I, <laughs> you know, what? But then I think, no, 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 it's all right. It's sinking in, sinking in. And after a while, it kind of, you know, you get it. But especially now that Fred's 
dead. He's literally gone. There is no man between them. Yes. Mm. Uh, I, you know, that, yeah. that's coming together for me now. I think, all right, it's just you two ladies. Yeah, yeah. Fred was a distraction. Like, he, yeah. he, he was kind of the, the, the man of the household that um, he tried he to thought be. was the, mm. the worst person who lived there. But mm. Where do we think Nick is going to tie in in this season? Because he, he's popped up. But it's know, kind of, funny? yeah, it's like, where do you belong? <laughs> I'm not quite sure where you fit in this yeah. picture anymore. What's your story? I don't know. Every time I think he's he's going to let her down or he's mm. going to, mm. you know, not be the guy we think he is or need him to be, he always is. He, he never he, he never lets her down, I don't think. He hasn't. I, I was ne- I've never been sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because he went away for a little while and we're not sure quite what he told mm. the Swiss. And, mm. um, yeah, but evidently he has been working behind the scenes and, you know, he clearly played a role in getting her in front of Fred in the finale. So he's... Um, yeah. But he's also a very high-ranking commander in Gilead. Mm. So there's that side too, but... Yeah, it's fascinating, know. isn't it? You, you know, Joseph, we've discovered, oh, oh, he's no good. He's just a... <laughs> You know, initially I thought, oh, he's a he's a he's a goodie. Oh no, yeah, he's no. just a pragmatist. He'll he's do... just a pragmatist. Yeah, he's just out for himself. He yeah. I mean, I think he, he loved his wife, you know, but uh, he's just out for himself. He's a survivalist. But I think Nick, ultimately, maybe he's going to be the the guy. Is he is he going to be the good guy? I mean, Luke's a nice guy, but he's never had to prove it. Mm. Yeah, I think we're going to see more of Luke. He he needs to, I think, for just as a character in the show. I think he's yeah. always been on the sidelines. You can see he's he's kind of shut. Even in Canada, it, it's more a woman's world. Um, it's the women who are getting things done and working through uh, all their trauma. He's in his own no man's land, really. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful there's more. Although him. Luke reminds me of of the modern man's malaise in a way, mm. in that there, there kind of is no place for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the only place there is for him is to be just. Really supportive. Yeah, yeah just waiting, yeah. you know. <laughs> waiting for something to yeah, happen. Yeah, just, just there. <laughs> Shall I put the kettle on? I'll just, I'll, put the, I'll just leave you ladies to it. I'll put the kettle on and I'll, I'll bath the baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries, Bubba. I'll bath the baby. I'll put the kettle on. I'll get my, your glass of wine. Yeah, I'll get the wine in. Shall I? I'll get the board games. Yay. <laughs> Who's for Scrabble? Yeah. I won't be, I won't do anything terrible, but, but I'm not going to save anybody either. Yeah. Mm. But he, I think he's had a moment at the end of episode two. Really? In seeing a side of things that he may not have before that also is a message maybe to him. I hope so. I mean, yeah, he, I'm sure he's angry and he's sad that his daughter's trapped in this, you know, um, hell, hole of Gilead. But he's never crossed the border to go and mm. try and find her or he's, he's never, I can't see him ever yeah. doing anything like June has done. Yeah. Do we know how many series there are of? Yes, there's one more. Oh. They've just announced there is a season six and that's where it's all going to wrap up. Mm. That said, there is the spin-off, The Testaments. So What yeah. are you even talking about? <gasps> I don't know about that. What? Uh-uh. Yes, there was the book, The Testaments, that Margaret Atwood, um, it's, it's a sequel of sorts and... That's kind of the North Star where Handmaids has to sort of connect uh, with that. Quite a feat, I think, having mm. read uh, the Testaments. But nonetheless, uh, it's it's not all of the key characters of what who we see that some are there. One in particular, but uh, anyway, Bruce Miller is doing that as a separate show. Mm. 
but they're wrapping up The Handmaids as we know it with season six. Next, next one. One more to go. Who's in Testaments? Tell us who, who. Well, Lydia Features. Ah, oh, great. And some of the next generation. Okay. So, who we know. Yes. So it's a funny one because The Handmaid's Tale, the book, ended with that future postscript that it was at a conference and it was many, many years in the future and it was kind of these, you know, they'd found these tapes from this handmaid. Mm. So we're kind of in that world at the moment. We're in that big gap. But The Testaments has borrowed from what the series has created in some of the characters and then it's kind of joining the dots on those. So... Another thing I love is these weirdos in Canada who who are really into Gilead. Oof. Yes. You know? In the first episode where Serena's walking out yes. and they've got the candlelit yes. vigil. I thought, who are they? Yeah, right? I think she yeah. thought the same yeah. thing initially. Yeah. I think at the top of the stairs she's thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah. And then they go, oh, bless We're you. We're with you, Serena. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. like, what? Yeah. And that. Feels quite puffed up mm. by the end of that little walk to the car. I think that's what really turned her yeah. around, don't you? The transformation in her demeanour is so mm. good. Yeah. She's literally just come from seeing her husband's corpse, which was quite a sight. Ooh. And I've written a book about the mortuary. They're not going to show her that, by the way. I just had a moment where I thought, <laughs> oh, well, that's a bit crook. I think they'd put a sheet over <laughs> it. But, you know. So she's literally just come from that and she's so defeated, yeah. as you would be, and shit scared because... I think quite rightly, thinking, oh, well, I'm next, obviously. Yeah. And also she's found out that June's not being punished, like Canada's yes. not pursuing any any action so that she has that furious go at old to Willow. Yes, um, yes. Who's so mad for her? <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> the little frisson. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Serena. Oh, God. And they're women too, which is so mm, weird. Mm. Um, with their little candles, they mm. really give her a... They really put a pep in her step. They really do. Mm. Buck up. We're with you. We did have a hint of that in season four. They were on the way to the trial and we thought yes. they mm. were protesters against them but very much for them. Yeah. Again, a bit of a um, reflection of America, Trump era, not just America, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's always that element. Have you had many people say to you, oh, no, I couldn't watch it anymore. It was too dark. It, it, it went too far. You know, have you had a few people say that to you when you're like, oh, no, I'm still really into it. Like I've still got friends at work that watch it and we have a chat about it after it's aired and we're tagging each other on Facebook when we saw when it was coming out, <laughs> all of that stuff. I had to have a break during Trump Trumpism. Mm. Yeah. I had to go, oh, God, it's too it's too real. Mm. I'm gonna, I need some RuPaul's Drag Race. It's yeah. too much. <laughs> I can't. Absolutely. I need to just, just step my pussy up. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be watching The Handmaid's Tale for a while and so I had to drop out. Yeah, well, Liz Garber said the same thing. Yeah, she, really? she was watching it and had to stop but then, you know, when she got the gig, she tapped back into it. But, yeah, yeah she said exactly what you just said, Trump era, it's too much, it's too close. Yeah, because um, I felt like we were genuinely losing then. Mm-hmm. I thought we, we are actually losing. I can't be losing and watch yeah. this show about us losing. Mm-hmm. I can't. I also found it challenging to watch during lockdowns. It because it felt very. It it just was really, you know, it was hitting home. (laughs) This is. I don't know. I leaned in. Oh really? (laughs) It's a downer. Oh, see, I couldn't. I can't be watching this with bad hair. Yeah, cannot. Yeah, I couldn't do that at the same time. I had to just time it outside of lockdowns, which was challenging over the last two years. Where do you predict we're going with The Handmaid's Tale, Joanna? Where are we going with this? Are they, who's going to survive? Is Serena, out of Serena and June, do you think they're both going to survive? See, I think they're both going to survive. 
I just Oof. feel that they're both going to survive, but it would make for a much more entertaining show if one of them didn't. But I think there's a lot of deaths still to come, a, a return to mm. Gilead and potentially mm. return back to Canada at some stage, potentially. That's where I'm thinking it's going to head. Fiona's got me thinking Luke might go to Gilead, but oh, God. Mm. Oh, I'm saying don't take Luke to Gilead. No, he's not cut June, out for that. For God's sake. <laughs> he's too busy bathing oh. babies and putting the kettle on. That's like It's like when women take their husbands to Kmart. I'm like, why? <laughs> why have you brought him? Who can't brought he, him? Can't he wait outside? <laughs> oh, they're like. Oh. Well, I say it's in the trailer, but that's a bait and switch always. I mean, they're not going to spell it all out in the trailer. Mm-hmm. There's, an, there's a phrase like, I'm going with you or something. So it's, you know. Mm. And then she turns around and goes, no, you're not. And that's that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the end of that chapter and there goes my theory. I make terrible <laughs> theories. They never pan out. And this you, is one. You stay with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you go home to Moira. I'll go get the milk and we're good. And that's the end of that. Yeah. I love that. They've also got a theory about the gun. Mm-hmm. The gun being around. That gun that's very, very shallowly in the front yard. Uh, yeah, that's not staying there, I don't mm-hmm. think. And we know Emily's Emily's not coming Emily's back, right, because well, the actress left, Alexis right. Bleedle. That's Is right. that, that why she that Bleedle? was uh, cut Bleedle. out of the show like that, in that way? Because that shocked me. Yeah, it was announced. Yeah, okay. it was announced she's not coming back. Right. Um, but in the show they've written that she's gone back okay. to Gilead to uh, see to Aunt Lydia. Yes. I think it's because she divorced her husband who who is a loose goose so that's another man we can say okay or a shit right. thing happening <laughs> okay. yeah. makes sense how appropriate yeah. how bloody appropriate mm. by the way and we don't know what's happened to janine yet we just we don't know saw her yeah. coughing up blood that's right another poor janine janine in jeopardy moment poor janine oh, she's amazing isn't frame. she <laughs> beautiful little girl yeah, i love yeah. her so much protect her at all costs who else are we missing <laughs> yeah mm. esther we're not sure where she's uh, at too speaking yep. of janine the pair of them that was a double attempted murder suicide yeah what did she put in that um rumble I don't know, but um, I was reminded on Eyes on Gilead that she poisoned the tea for her husband, remember, back in <gasps> last season. So she's very, she's a little alchemist. She's yeah. a little minx. <laughs> Isn't she that one? Yeah. She'll never get a match. She'll never get a pair if they find out. <laughs> she won't be a Martha, that's for sure. No. <laughs> Not trusting her to cook dinner. Who else are we missing out on? Who else do we need to catch up with? Well, Nick's wife. There's a whole lot of... Mm. Uh, she's a bit of fun, actually, there. isn't she? Yeah. I like how she she's, she checked in. She's a good wife. Mm. Did you get your business yeah. done, Dale? Yeah. Did you get your... You know, mm. she's nice. I like her. Yeah, that was the turn up. Mm. <laughs> and what? tell us about what interviews you've got coming up on the show Oof. because they're amazing. They're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you've started with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Oh, and you've got the lovely American fellow. We do. We have an episode out at the moment, Sam Yeager, speaking mm. of Tuello. He was fantastic because Tuello, like you say, does he just have the hots for Serena mm. uh, or is it a tactic in his diplomatic career? But he's great. We, I think it's a half an hour interview. We, yeah, we go to town. And- One of the great things that I've been able to be a part of this season is watching, you know, for the longest time, like you said, Mark has been an enigma and we finally get to see more of who Mark is this season. Um, he's had to be diplomatic is a very polite way of saying it. But, you know, I, I would say he, people would think of him as kind of on the fence and whether he's kind of playing both sides. And uh, there is certainly that to him. But I think his aim is 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 good. He's great. And we've also got Oteve and Begley. 
plays Luke. He hints a lot. <laughs> Danced very close to the line with spoilers, but uh, okay. with the so. But he's great. So you uh, had an unfair me. edge when we were talking about that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I could see she was like, no. <laughs> Maybe. No. Maybe. But honestly, I don't know. Uh, and Dowd was hilarious. Um, and Is Yvonne Ostrovsky, is that how it's Strahovsky. Strahovsky is Serena. Yes, yes. Um, is she Australian? Yes, she is. Gosh, yeah. that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But, God, she's just such an incredible scene stealer. She reminds mm. me of um, somebody I read once about Brad Pitt that – He's one of those actors who who you want in every scene because they just something about their face, mm-hmm. something about their charisma. They can just carry. You know, you want to look at them. Yeah, and she's that, isn't she? She is. She's fascinating. You know, we mentioned the scene where she literally just walks what fifty meters and is transformed. Um, yes, mm-hmm. you're right. She yeah. can do that. She yeah. just by um, shifting her face, and I knew it. I, I you know what she's going to do a lot of the time. In the in the last shot of the second episode of this series. You know exactly uh, what she's going to do when she's looking down the barrel and she really takes her time in doing it too, which <laughs> I love. Mm-hmm. She knows that we're all waiting for her to do it. And it's just a change of facial expression but mm. it's to die for. Yeah, It's she's to die for because she's striking. got this beautiful face. Yeah. 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 She's got this gorgeous face. Uh, it's just so symmetrical and, <laughs> uh, and she just knows how to use it. She really does. And she takes her time as an actor. I love how she does that and... Oh, she's gorgeous to watch, isn't she? Mm, mm. And the way that through the years, and I love that we're five seasons in now, so we know them so well. Mm. And like it, it, the show's known for its flashbacks, but it's flashing back on itself a lot mm. more now. We're not seeing a lot of the pre-Iliad flashbacks because it's been around so long, I guess. But the way that June and Serena have switched roles so often, you know, there was the first series um, screaming match that was then replicated with Hunter. You know, it was flipped last season um, with the screaming match. June got to you know, scream in Serena's face. Uh, so just the pair of them, the, you know, again, speaking to this being the central relationship throughout the show, but, yeah, they're so good together. Yeah, yeah, they're so good yeah, together. Yeah. And uh, now that she's pregnant, it's so mm, great. Mm. She's so powerful and she's achieved a miracle. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when she's in a room with those other Gilead women and you just think, God, they must want that just be green. They really would. And Naomi Putnam actually gives Janine a moment of grace to say, just you can see it through tears that she does say, I'm grateful for how we oh, got yeah. Baby Angela. Which Was that the first or the second? That is episode two, sorry, yes. So so yes. Janine, you know, goes to the, in fact, Lydia, Aunt Lydia suggests and ensures that Janine gets to see her daughter. Ah. She says they're going to the Putnam house and, Jan- and um, Lydia says, Janine, why don't you come basically? And Janine's like can't believe it she's going to get to see her daughter so she's standing there in the living room and the little girl runs up to her it's so beautiful obviously she doesn't know who she is but for whatever reason she runs straight up to her and they have a little hug and of course everyone's probably thinking is this one-eyed chick gonna lose it again because she can (laughs) she has past form yeah Yeah. (laughs) she can lose it but she pulls herself together and she's really gracious as well and she says mrs putnam you have a beautiful daughter and we're like oh janine good for you and then mrs putnam says oh yes we're very grateful to those who gave her to us so it's really beautiful again it's a really beautiful moment of interaction between women i love to me that's the strength of the show yeah it's that great feminist it's to me it's like yes it's just innate it is in the sisterhood is in us, you know. They, it, it could be 
bashed out of us. People can try and talk us out of it, teach us out of it, beat us out of it. Mm. But it's actually just burning in there. Yeah, even Naomi Putnam can have a moment for Janine. <sighs> you know, Naomi who it. basically threatened that she might take Serena's child back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even her. Yeah. And, and, and little Janine. Little Janine. That was, that was a milestone, I thought, for Janine. Yeah. Oh, Let's hope she survives exactly. that rumble, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope she pulls through this time again. What do you reckon? Where do you, maybe you know the answer, but where do you think we're heading with The Handmaid's Tale? You, do you know the answer? I know a couple of things, oh, but I shouldn't okay. share them. No, yes. no, don't, no, no don't, I don't, don't know all of them. So, yes, no, there's a couple of things I probably shouldn't say. <sighs> Gosh. I also know the testaments, so that, that's yeah, kind you of do. A, a way to go. I so, don't. I don't want to be all, I've got a secret, but I do. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Eyes on Gilead is like no joke, by the way. You need to have seen the latest episode. <laughs> you don't just think, oh, I'll just have a little listen to that if I haven't oh. watch, watched the episode because they ain't playing. <laughs> they are like about every minute of the show. and But it's great for nerds like me because it's like full-on analysis and, and, Joanna, you would love it too. It's like full analysis of every lighting state, every which I love. I love that stuff. It's like what do you think was meant by that, the way the cape was thrown across the shoulder. <laughs> what does it mean? What does oh, it mean? I don't know. I think it foreshadowed that other thing that happened. Yes. <laughs> it's a bit much. That's <laughs> great. Thank you to our guests, Joanna Fleming, and from Eyes on Gilead, Fiona Williams, for joining us to chat Handmaid's Tale. This special presentation is sponsored by SBS On Demand, where Season 5 of The Handmaid's Tale is available to stream exclusively right now. There are links in the show notes, of course, to SBS On Demand and to Eyes on Gilead. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime, recorded at a Hub Australia media studio. HubAustralia.com. Find the workspace that's right for you. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.